Dallas-Fort Worth. Production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Welcome to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio, keeping you connected to your faith and your world. Teresa tackles the issues of faith and culture, the pro-life message, and media awareness. And now, here's Teresa Tamio. And it's a Friday morning. It's June 25th, 2021. Good to be back with you. Home in Motown for Catholic Connection. Thanks to Vanessa Denhagarmo, my little sis, for filling in yesterday. And for... Andrew Kruchek for always being there to hold down the Ford and to work closely with our guest hosts, especially Vanessa and Sherry Brownrigg, who's also a frequent guest host here of Catholic Connection. Busy, busy, busy morning uh, this morning. Lots to talk about. Do want to thank the folks at Legatus North Shore Chapter in beautiful Mandeville, the New Orleans area, and Paulette and Calvin, and of course my dear friend Paige, who uh, joined me for dinner the other night. Great chapter of Legatus. Legatus is a wonderful business organization and legatus means ambassador in latin and so legates go out into the workplace and do their best to make a difference it's a beautiful organization that was founded by our dear friend tom monahan so i always love to speak to legatus chapters and a beautiful chapter there and uh, father gary who celebrated mass gave a great homily very very educational and uh, very insightful and it was just good to be with that that those wonderful catholics a very strong catholic area of our country and they also are big fans of um, ewtn in that part of the world. Who is it, right? We're everywhere, as our advertisement says. Speaking of EWTN, Doug Keck will be up at 15 minutes past the hour for our Inside Word on Friday. Uh, comes with us every Friday to sit down and talk about the great program, but also to share some of his great insights about what's happening not only in the church but in the world. So that happens at 15 minutes past the hour every Friday morning right here on Catholic Connection. All right, so since the election, I've been doing a segment. I'm trying to keep it up every Friday called Fact Check Friday. And this has to do with the media. Sometimes it's the secular media. Sometimes it's other areas of the media. And this morning, I want to concentrate on something that's happened the last couple of weeks um, with a lot of even laity getting involved in this, unfortunately, and then some so-called um, conservative or even outlets calling themselves Catholic that are taking what canon law tells us is not the approach to take in terms of trying to address very serious problems and grievances within the Catholic Church. Al has been doing a lot on this as well, and Al actually had the author of this terrific article on, I think, um, two weeks ago, and this article called How to Correct Bishops Correctly, which was published earlier this month on Church Life Journal, a journal of the McGrath Institute for Church Life, was written by the Chancellor of the Diocese of Dallas, Gregory Caridi, and it was given to me by a friend of mine, uh, Father Joe Fox, who's a wonderful canon lawyer here in the Archdiocese of Detroit, and we were talking about this issue and how it's starting to get really out of control with what we're seeing out there and the angst and the um, frustration that people have. Very, um, You can understand the frustration. We all have it in terms of the lack of correction, the lack of teaching, uh, some of the many problems we have, but but the response to cause even more scandal by their actions. So what does the church tell us about addressing grievances? How do we do this? And, and what do we do about these different uh, sources that basically make a life, make a business out of doing this every single day and try to convince you that there's no good going on, that the sky is falling, that everybody in a leadership position is bad and painting all the bishops except the ones that they deem to be the best uh, and that's the only ones that they say you should be following. I'm just throwing out some examples of these different uh, websites and um, people that do this. It's not just websites in particular, but it's individuals as well. And so how do we 
correct this? How do we correct the problems in the church, continue to work toward them in terms of correction? But what is the correct way to express ourselves and our concerns? You know, we had an, uh, an instance that happened here locally in Michigan uh, within the Diocese of Lansing, and one of our wonderful listeners told me about it. And she very respectfully took it upon herself to let her pastor know, but also let um, one of our diocesan bishops know uh, about what was happening. And it was taken care of within a week. And she, the letter she wrote was very beautiful. It was very respectful, but she raised concerns about a display that was inside a Catholic hospital. And uh, she had information. She had pictures. But she was very, very respectful in her letter and not out of control and angry even though she was very frustrated as to what she saw and it was addressed and it was taken down so there are ways to go about addressing things not to say there aren't great concerns and I think you'll learn a lot from this conversation we're going to have with Gregory Caridi and and I was telling Al I said you know he's so good and there's so many things that he says in here uh, that are just really important for us to think about and to pray over and how we are speaking out about our legitimate, very legitimate, and very big concerns that we have of what's going on in the church. At the same time, I'm reading this article over on the way down to New Orleans on Wednesday in preparation for this interview this morning. And at the same time, I grabbed this beautiful new book from a dear friend, former head of Endow, Terry Polakovic, her brand new book called Women of Hope, Doctors of the Church. And I have to have her on about this. I mean, I'm going to do a whole hour on this book. It's so good. And, of course... You know that I love the saints and the doctors of the church, the female doctors of the church, phenomenal women, all of them, right? Well, that's why they're doctors of the church. St. Teresa of Avila, St. Catherine of Siena, St. Therese of Lisieux, St. Hildegard. And what they witnessed, especially Hildegard, Teresa of Avila, and Catherine of Siena, what they witnessed in terms of corruption makes what we're going through right now look, well, bad, but not bad in comparison to what they saw and their own persecution for speaking up, and yet how they continued to respect the church, show love for the church, but at the same time saying, this is wrong, what you're doing is wrong, this needs to be addressed. And and it's really beautiful to see how they did eventually address it and the progress that they made in some areas, and sometimes they didn't have progress. Uh, sometimes they had a lot of victories, sometimes they didn't, but they tried, and they did it correctly. So... Uh, we'll take a look at some quotes from St. Catherine of Siena and also St. Teresa of Avila and uh, just discuss this issue, which I think is super, super important for right now. All right, speaking of right now, uh, the weather. A slow-moving cold front will bring multiple rounds of widespread heavy rain and localized flash flooding and severe thunderstorms from the central plains of the U.S. into the Great Lakes through tomorrow. Not to mention, and we'll have a story about this as well, a dangerous heat wave with record-breaking and triple-digit temps expected this weekend into the next week in the northwest, which is really unusual because normally, as you'll hear in our story coming up in just about 30 seconds, normally northwest in the summer, very comfortable, 75 to 80 degrees. So this is excessive heat for that part of the country. And you need to be careful. All right, let's get started. Tons of news to get through, and then we'll take a break and talk with our dear friend, President and Chief Operating Officer of EWTN, Doug Keck. Let's see what's happening on a Friday. 
horrific story out of South Florida. The death toll from the building collapse in Miami-Dade County is expected now to climb. A third body discovered in the rubble yesterday in Surfside at the Champion Towers South Condo. Rescuers now say 99 people still remain unaccounted for. Meanwhile, Rory O'Neill tells us more heavy machinery is also arriving at the scene of yesterday's building collapse. More excavators and backhoes are arriving at the scene to move debris and perhaps find survivors, but another rescue operation is happening below. <laughs> Underneath the Champlain Tower South, tactical rescue teams work through knee-deep waters to try to find survivors. The investigation into what caused this 12-story building to partially collapse is just getting underway. There's now a $5 million lawsuit, meanwhile, in that condo collapse. Lawyers in Florida filing against the condo company last night, calling the tragedy one of the most frightening ever in that state. Again, an investigation is underway, and we'll look at a recent study showing the building was unstable. Starting today, the public invited to take part in the next evolution of the temporary memorial to victims of the March mass shooting in Boulder, Colorado. It's billed as a flower wave installation along 60 feet of fence on the west side of the major supermarket's parking area. Starting at noon, the public is invited, noon local time, to naturally dissolve the installation by taking a flower and giving it to someone else. That temporary tribute will be in place through Sunday. Ten people were killed in the shooting, including a Boulder police officer. Mike Bauer tells us there's a wide-range history of sentencing facing former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin today. Chauvin is part of a small group of non-federal law enforcement officers such as police officers, deputy sheriffs, and state troopers who have been convicted on charges related to on-duty killings in the past 15 years and an even smaller bunch to be convicted of murder. On average, those officers have received far less prison time at sentencing than their civilian counterparts. The average punishment for the nine who have been sentenced so far is 21.7 years in prison, with 81 months as the shortest sentence and life in prison as the longest. The question remains, will a 21-year average be seen as fair by the people of Minneapolis. A Florida police officer now fighting for his life after what his chief calls a senseless tragedy. Dayton police officer Jason Renoir is showing signs of improvement following surgery after he was shot in the head Wednesday evening. The man suspected of shooting him has a history of run-ins with officers. Police are searching for 29-year-old Altha Wallace who has been arrested eight times in the past nine years. The Dayton police chief says the officer found two guns ammunition and ballistic vests in what they believe is the suspect's apartment. Leaders of indigenous groups in Canada say investigators have found hundreds of unmarked graves at the site of yet another former residential school for native children. These bodies were discovered at the Marival Indian Residential School founded in the 19, or 1890s by Catholic missionaries. Meanwhile, Canadian authorities are investigating fires that destroyed two Catholic churches in British Columbia. The Diocese of Nelson saying the churches serve some of the First Nation indigenous families. Investigators saying they're considering whether the fires earlier this week may have been actually targeted attacks. Last month, as you just heard, the unmarked graves of over 200 children were found on the grounds of a former Catholic-run residential school in British Columbia. The European Parliament voting in favor of a report describing abortion as essential health care. The report seeks to redefine conscientious objection as a denial of medical care. Parliamentarians had earlier rejected two attempts to block the controversial report. Kamala Harris will be in Texas today to address the illegal immigration problem at the U.S. southern border. 
She's overseeing the border crisis, visiting El Paso today with Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. Republicans have announced a border visit, too, with former President Trump. Harris will tour a central processing facility run by Customs and Border Protection and will meet with migrant advocates. As EWTN News Nightly reports, meanwhile, some 21 Republicans, led by Representative Lauren Boebert of Colorado, this week introducing a resolution to censure Biden for what the lawmakers describe as a failure to faithfully execute U.S. border and immigration laws. Republicans continuing to hit the administration for its handling of the crisis at the southern border. Biden's border crisis is a humanitarian crisis. And it all started when the Biden regime began rolling back President Trump's firm and effective border policies. The Biden administration has been facing a crisis at the border with more than 180,000 migrant encounters in May alone, one of a consecutive number of months that have been seen numbers that dwarf prior years. The newly named head of the Border Patrol, meanwhile, is giving the first update on the surge of illegal immigration. Chief Raul Ortiz says... Mixed in with the masses, migrants from countries with ties to terrorism. You know, somebody from Yemen, somebody from Somalia, somebody from Turkey. Did we apprehend those? Oh yeah, each and every day. He says Border Patrol agents are working with customs officers to monitor people more closely and those coming from the Middle East. The chief speaking yesterday in Del Rio, Texas, the second busiest location in the country for illegal immigration. Michael Katzner reports from Portland that 100-degree heat is bearing down on an area of the country where home air conditioning is often scarce. Seattle ranks first in the nation, while Portland is third for fewest air-conditioned households. The region could feel the hottest temperatures ever recorded as dozens of heat records are forecast to fall in Oregon, Washington, and Idaho on this first full weekend of summer. Seattle's average high for late June is 72, while Portland is 75. But forecasters say afternoon highs in both cities will be near or above 100 from Saturday through Monday. Representatives of the fireworks industry warning Utah cities and towns they are going too far when they completely ban the use of fireworks. We feel like not only is it contrary to the statute that's out there, it's just contrary to, to uh, um, how government ought to act in these circumstances. Dave Davis is with the Utah, Utah Retail Merchants Association and says such bans could devastate the industry and could lead to lawsuits against those communities. Meanwhile, cities that have enacted bans say they're acting under the law's exceptional circumstances provision, and they feel it includes the current dry conditions and the extreme risk of wildfires. They also point out that the bans restrict the use of fireworks, but not their sales. 14 minutes past the hour. Hope your Friday is a good one so far. You're listening to the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. And keep your arms and hands inside the vehicle at all times. If you hear something you want to check out, for example, with Doug Keck coming up, giving us all kinds of great insights as to our special programming, things we can expect to see in the month of June as the month of June winds down. Uh, winds up so you know it's very easy you just go to our website ewtn.com and it's all there we'll be right back this program is brought to you in part by charity mobile a proud partner of ave maria radio for over 15 years charity mobile is the pro-life cell phone company and has sent nearly two million dollars to thousands of pro-life charities 4g lte coverage is available nationwide and five percent of your monthly plan price goes to your favorite pro-life charity a video introduction is available at charitymobile.com charity mobile everyday living effortless giving charitymobile.com 
When the need for senior care arises, home is where the heart is. Visiting Angels provides home care for mom or dad up to 24 hours per day, including personal care, meals, and light housework. You may select your professional caregiver with Visiting Angels. More information at visitingangels.com or at 877-374-LIVE. That's 877-374-LIVE. Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. If you believe in the power of prayer, Ave Maria Radio invites you to look at their website to submit a prayer request at AveMariaRadio.net. Your prayer requests are shared with hundreds at the Dominican Sisters of Mary, Mother of the Eucharist, the Servants of God's Love, the Monastery of the Blessed Sacrament Cloistered Nuns, the Family of Faith Apostolate, and the staff of Ave Maria Radio. Just go to AveMariaRadio.net and click on the Community tab to submit your prayer request today. We are the pro-life generation, passionate about building the culture of life in our health care and in our nation. But not all health care options are equally pro-life, and some provide morally objectionable procedures. CMF Curo is different. CMF Curo is a pro-life Catholic health care ministry, providing a pathway for its members to build the culture of life in their health care choices, not destroy it. Learn more about CMF Curo at MyCatholicHealthCare.com. That's MyCatholicHealthCare.com. It's a Friday, 17 minutes past hour. We get the inside word from Doug Keck, our chief operating officer and president of the network, giving us an idea of what's coming up. I've been really appreciating, as we were talking during the break, Doug, about the uh, great coverage from EWTN News Nightly, The Register, Raymond Arroyo's program, The World Over, um, you know, Catholic News Agency, really in-depth pieces about what's going on with the bishops and the response from Congress. It's so good to be able to have that available to look at because as we know you know if you read what the times has or what's in the mainstream media you know it, it's kind of a caricature of exactly what's going on and uh, and so it's better to understand exactly w- what was said what wasn't exactly said, uh what what did the vatican actually say uh, these kinds of things and, and it allows people to put these things in perspective because otherwise uh you really have no clue as to what's going on if you just base it on the the headline writers for the major uh, newspapers. And then they they take those stories, some of the secular media who call themselves Catholic and who think they know the faith or how the church operates, but they really don't. They take those headlines from whether it's the New York Times or Mm -hmm. these other papers that have no clue about the church, and then they echo that. As a matter of fact, Al, the other day, uh, took apart uh, one of our big stations, a news talk station here in Detroit, where the reporter went out and claimed, oh, this is so against what Pope Francis has said. This is so against what the church is all about. And so bit by bit, he went and took it apart. But it's it's I, it's a shame that we have to do that. But at the same time, I do see this as a Romans 8.28 situation where I can't remember, as we were talking during the break, where there's been so much discussion about the reception of Eucharist or now this document on Eucharist coherence in general. Right, absolutely. And, uh, you know, obviously there's politics involved, there's issues of that concern, obviously, whether it's coming out of Rome's concerns about that or in the United States. But I think the major issue is um, the concept that you have to speak up for the truth. In fact, on a different topic, but it's kind of related, I saw just a quote earlier this morning when I was reading some of the updates on the news, and it was a quote from... um, from the uh, prime minister, quote unquote, uh, you know, out of the Vatican, uh, in a sense of the, I shouldn't say the foreign minister, who was a, effectively a foreign minister. And they asked him about the closing of that Apple paper in Hong mm-hmm. Kong, right? Mm-hmm. 
And his response when they said, why didn't you speak out? Well, it really wouldn't have made any difference. And I'm thinking, it doesn't matter whether it makes any difference. Right. What matters is you need to speak up for the truth. And it's right. the same thing with this. If this doesn't change anything, and even some people decide, uh, you know, I don't care about the church anymore. That's their problem. You as a bishop, you as a priest, you as a Catholic, you you have to speak the truth in love, but you have to speak the truth. Right. Regardless of the consequences, that's, that's the whole idea. Right. As a matter of fact, I was mentioning, I, I was reading this great book by, uh, I know someone that, that you're familiar with her great work, Terry Polakovic, the former director of, of uh, Endow wrote mm -hmm. a great book called Women of Hope about the Doctors of the Church and reading St. Teresa of Avila, you know, St. Hildegard, St. Catherine of Siena all saw such horrific abuse and problems within the church. Absolutely. And they had victories and then they had some, some setbacks, but they, they kept doing what they thought needed to be done and, and they did it respectfully. that's why we revere them mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. Because that's what they did. They didn't go along to get along. And I thought uh, you mentioned Paprocki, and I thought one of his great lines was, uh, you know, we can't have unity in iniquity. And right. it's, it's this idea of unity. It's like people, well, diversity. Well, there are good aspects of diversity, but diversity unto itself is not necessarily a good, as is unity. It depends on what you're talking about. We have to be uni unified in the idea that this is really the Blessed Sacrament, it's really Jesus, and then you at least have to be put on notice to say, if you're going there unworthily, you know, you're bringing condemnation down on yourself, Right. and I need to tell you that. You are free to do what you want after that, within reason. But the reality is that's what people need to know. And that person who's deluded their conscience needs to know that it doesn't matter how deluded you are personally. The question is, what does God think about what you're doing? It's very clear in Scripture. Read the chapter in 1 Corinthians 11 and what St. Paul says, that when you are accepting the body and blood of the Lord un, you know, unworthily, in other words, if you don't mm -hmm. agree with what... what, what it's body, blood, and soul divinity. He says it right there if you don't agree with it. And when you're receiving that, you are supposed to be saying a big yes, not just to the Eucharist, but to everything the church teaches. That is your big amen. Right. And if you do that, if you don't do that, then you are receiving it unworthily and bringing condemnation on yourself. It says that right in Scripture. And, right. And the other part I don't understand, if, if such a high percentage of Catholics, let alone I'm sure the people we're talking about specifically, don't even believe in the real presence, see it as some sort of symbolic situation or version of it, why is it such a big deal to them anyway? except for so many of these people besides their own conscience being tweaked. Exactly. It's politically, uh, they, they want that aspect because they want people who are, you know, Democrats, who many times they used to say you're baptized into the Catholic Church and the Democratic Party in the old days. They don't want to lose that base. I hate to be that cynical, but that's part of it. But speaking of people who stood up no matter how much... Uh, was put on top of the Holy Mass on the anniversary of Padre Pio's canonization. Uh, We're coming up on Saturday, so wow. um, they moved the Mass from the 16th to the 26th. Uh, so, but uh, that's on this weekend. Uh, we've got a, a series on Saint Jose Maria Escriva and Opus Dei, the Saint of Ordinary Life, with Damon Owens, your friend and co-worker. Mm -hmm. Uh, on the March for Life every year, uh, John Coverdale. We've got a new documentary coming up on Sunday on Blessed uh, Fra Angelico. Uh, mm. So can people can look for that. It's very nice. And we have also got, in honor of the Feasts of St. Peter and Paul, coming up on uh, 
the Tuesday, the 29th, and we've got uh, a couple of programs. One is a special edition of the EWTN Holy Land Experience with Father Joseph and Father Mark, and also the Solemnity of the Feast of the Saints of Peter and Paul coming from Rome on uh, Tuesday as well. Wow, that's a and lot of so, great stuff. Uh, we got a lot of great things you can check out. Uh, also next week, uh, a uh, re-airing of the St. Junipero Serra, A Man of God, Mission of Love mm. program, which was very, very popular. EW10.com for all things Catholic. Check it out and see all of our programming. And if you miss it, go to On Demand. Yes, and also don't forget to check out all the great news news outlets that Absolutely. you have because I love them. I just I spend a lot of time and I, I'm always posting different stories on my Facebook page, especially from the Register and Catholic News Agency. Yeah, great points, and I think it's so important. And um, one of my friends just sent me another um, note that came out, and I'm sure that our news outlets will be addressing this. So this is from the Bishop of the Diocese of Syracuse regarding erroneous reporting on the drafting of document about Eucharist, erroneously being reported by certain news agencies. That Catholic bishops have approved the drafting of a document aimed specifically at denying certain public officials in reception of Holy Communion. This slant on the action item voted could not be further from the truth. The vote taken concerned the drafting of a document on the importance and meaning of the Eucharist for Catholics in the United States. Heaven forbid they should teach on this. See, this is it. You said thou does protest too much and that their conscience right. is being... These mm-hmm. people who are speaking up and coming up with this Catholic letter of principles or whatever it was... I mm-hmm. believe that maybe the Lord is working on the hearts because all of a sudden they have to continue to try to jump through hoots to justify and well, maybe they'll think twice about it now. I they hope. don't want right. to think about things that they don't want to think about. It's right. an uncomfortable situation that they put in the back of their uh, their mind and and don't look at it. And, and otherwise they they have difficulty and, and it's uncomfortable and nobody likes to be made uncomfortable. Yeah, well, life's uncomfortable, you know. Right. Jesus came to uh, comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable, right? Absolutely. All right, my friend, great discussion as always. Have a great weekend, and check out, as Doug said, all the terrific programming coming up. You can go to EWTN.com if you didn't have a chance to jot any of that down or listen to our archive of the program. You can get all the details again. We'll be right back. Stay tuned. Ah, there is nothing like a summer vacation disconnected from everything. Well, almost everything. Hello, Sissel. Hey, Dave. Can you believe we are under two months away from our Summer Speaker Series event on August 5th with Father John Ricardo? I just can't contain myself. Is that the only reason you were calling me? Yep. Sissel, do you realize I'm not in the office this week? And do you remember why? Oh, sure. You're not here because you're on vacation. Oops. (sighs) Get your tickets at summerspeakerseries.com. Bye, Dave. Bring me back a seashell. Park Car Care is a proud sponsor of KATH 910AM. Here at Park Car Care, we are devoted to automotive maintenance and repairs for today's family on the go. Are you looking for that personal touch? Someone who will listen to your problem and give you options that are manageable for you? We now have two locations to serve you. For the Euless area, 817-685-2222. And for the North Richland Hills area, 817-281-1388. We're on the web at parkcarcare.com. Thank you and drive safely. 
St. Francis of Assisi Catholic Church in Frisco's Mobile Food Pantry Ministry will be distributing food to those in need of food assistance on Saturday, June 26th from 1 p.m. to 2.30 p.m. in the West parking lot of St. Francis. They will be set up in a drive through configuration to keep everyone as safe as possible. You do not need to provide any documentation that you are experiencing a hardship. You also do not need to provide any type of identification to receive food. They want to help all those who need assistance. If you are in need of food assistance, please come. The Guadalupe Radio Network thanks Little Elm Eye Care for their support of local Catholic radio. Little Elm Eye Care is owned by Drs. Burt and Leslie Bubella, parishioners of St. Francis of Assisi Parish in Frisco. They specialize in family vision care, comprehensive eye exams, contact lenses, and the treatment of eye diseases and injuries. Little Elm Eye Care is located at 1200 East El Dorado Parkway, Suite 100, across from the Little Elm Athletic Complex. They can be reached by calling 972-2920-900 or on the web at littleelmeyecare.com. So a dear friend of mine who's a wonderful canon lawyer in the Archdiocese of Detroit passed this article on to me. He said he thought it was one of the best written about this whole issue of uh, corrections and how things need to be addressed in the church. How to correct bishops correctly. It's by our guest Gregory Caridi from the Diocese of Dallas where he serves as a chancellor. And Al Cresta also had him on, I believe, last week or the week before. And I sent the article to Al. I did not hear the interview. I said, this is such a good article on so many levels. And Al said, yeah, it was great. I had him on. It's a great piece. I said, well, I'm going to have him on too because I have a gazillion questions. And uh, Greg, I was telling my listeners on the way, and I was telling you uh, down to on the way to New Orleans, I was reading this over again, and I've got a lot of questions. I'm, I've highlighted, I've underlined, exclamation point. Uh, several points in this terrific piece, which I think is very easy for the average layperson to understand, even though obviously you have extensive knowledge in, in canon law with your position as chancellor. I think you've made it very approachable. Uh, so first of all, what I would just like to say is that a big issue that's coming up, and we're doing this in what I call my Fact Check Friday segment, which I've been doing since the election, looking at various approaches from the media, whether they be Catholic, uh, conservative, uh, secular, in terms of some problematic reporting or issues that come up with the media. And so I try to address this with people in hopes of offering some sort of media literacy. So I wanted to just say what prompted, first of all, you to write such a detailed piece regarding these issues? Yeah. Um, thanks for having me on. Sure. Um, in my position, I receive, well, the bishop receives a lot of complaints. Just in general, any bishop re receives a lot of complaints, I'm not saying my bishop especially. And as a result, I, I see some of the most vitriolic things you can imagine. Um, and it, it caused me to say, like, what? I wouldn't even talk to strangers this way. I wouldn't even talk to an enemy this way. But they're talking to their bishop this way. And then if you, I'm also kind of a, ch a child of the Internet, right? And so I saw all this stuff on the Internet all the time. And it, it sort of prompted a response to me. And what I think is especially troubling is that um, uh, many people feel very righteous in, in, in doing this and see nothing wrong with it because they say they're so disgusted. And, and people have very legitimate concerns with problems in the church, lack of catechesis, uh, you know, things that haven't been addressed or things that have been addressed but not affected. I mean, we, we could go on. I mean, we know that there are numerous problems. Nobody's denying that. But people say that they're fed up, and I had one comment on Facebook after I posted your article, which had a huge response, who said, well, we're done with canon law because they'll only respond to these types of attacks. And my response was, but they're not responding to it, so what good are you doing by doing this? You're only bringing more negative attention 
to the church. Your thoughts on that comment? Well, they won't respond to anything else but public criticism. Right. I think I think that's really a symptom of. I mean, it's a it's a worse symptom of the whole country, the whole society as a whole. That the idea that they only respond to awfulness, right? Like sort of attacks. It's how politics tends to go today. But the church is supposed to be a society above that. And I think the more one, I think you're right. I don't think they respond to it. I think it actually causes bishops to sort of dig in when they wouldn't have otherwise. And it also, um, it, it, it's, an, it's kind of an attack on the church itself. I know people don't see it that way. They see it as just an attack on a particular bishop or a particular prelate or whatever. But really, it goes to the foundation of the church itself because our church is hierarchical. And so if you're willing to throw the hierarchy down, you're really, you're attacking the, the fundamentals of what it is. Which seems to me that then you're not saying that you support the way the church is set up, that you're, that you're acting in a very non-Catholic manner. I don't want to say non-Catholic, but I, I think it, 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 it goes in that direction. People start with their own thing, their own group. We are saving the church. The prelates are, have failed. That, that, that mindset really gets going. And I understand it because people are angry, but the starting point is communion with the hierarchy and communion with Peter. That is, that is what the church is. And so we need to help Peter. We don't need to destroy him. In, in terms of where do we find our balance, because obviously in the article you, you say that many of the complaints and concerns people have are extremely legitimate because we do have a lot of issues, uh, especially in the church right now. I mean, we've been through heck and high water, so to speak. I mean, when we, well, first we had the abuse crisis the, that was first revealed at the turn of the 21st century, and then we really thought we were working on these issues, and the whole McCarrick thing pops up, and then we have the church closures last year, which many people were upset about, thought in many ways the church went too far right away. And so there's an you know, and then we have the whole thing with the bishops now, where people saying, well, they're not doing enough, and and they don't even think that they should have had to discuss coming up with a teaching document if they had taught before. So all, I mean, I'm just kind of putting some of these things out there. So many of the concerns are certainly legitimate. Where do we find the balance to do this correctly? I mentioned this on our show. I, I think I think if you approach the question, and you're right, there are legitimate concerns, and they should be voiced. I think if you approach the question like, like family, I mentioned in the article Aquinas has this whole distinction between uh, correction and charity versus correction and justice, where charity is, everyone has a right to correct in charity, but it has to be done a certain way, and it doesn't include any punishment of the person, whereas correction and justice can only be done by superiors and can include punishment. And I think if we, if we start there, and we see the church, our bishop, like a father. You may correct your father if he's really doing something wrong. You do it charitably because you don't want to destroy your father. And you, by taking down your father, you're really harming yourself. So I think if we, if we start there, recognize that like the starting point is love for this person, and correction should be done so he can do the right thing, it doesn't mean he'll get away with things or anything like that. It could, inc- it could include really bad truths, but it should be done with such respect, the same respect you would give to a father you love. And yeah. then if you start there, I think you can kind of begin that process. 
What do you think, and I know this is more of a, a psychological question, but being with all the information you have to review and work with in, in your diocese with, with um, complaints and concerns that come up, what do you think it is in, 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 in people that think this is a good response and think this has to be done and want to do the gotcha type approach where they think this is, this is just fine and, and nothing else is going to work? What what do you what do you think what would I what advice what do what do I think the reason they do that is yes what's their reasoning yeah I think what's like I mentioned I think it's sort of the result it's our tradition it's our sort of American tradition and two they they see it happening they see it working there and they're not starting from this place they see maybe maybe the bigger thing is they see the church more as a community where the bishop's job is to serve their view of the church. And so if the bishop is failing to do that, we, we, we live our lives like this. So if the bishop's failing to do that, you toss off the bishop. I think that's, that's our starting point. They don't see it as a, a full society. This person is our father king. They, they don't start from that position, and so they're willing to toss him off quickly. Hmm. What's been the response? We're going to take a quick break, um, uh, and we'll come back and discuss this more. But in general, what's been the response to your article? Because it's it's getting out there; it's gone viral. It's pretty it's pretty positive. Um, I haven't received a lot of negative. Usually, the res- the negative responses would be that no, this is this is beyond any of like like you mentioned. This is beyond canon law. This is bigger issue. We have to save the church. That sort of has been the response in the negative. The article is How to Correct Bishops Correctly, published in Church Life Journal from Gregory Caridi, and he is a chancellor from the Diocese of Dallas. More on this article and these issues that we're facing and how to correct them correctly when we come back on a Friday morning edition of Catholic Connection. You are listening to the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. The Greenville Knights of Columbus Council 7438 will host Freedom Fest in appreciation for first responders, medical workers, law enforcement, EMS, fire, and active military on Saturday, July 17th from 6 to 10 p.m. The event will include food and live entertainment. Admission is $10 per person with children under 12 free. All first responders get free admission and a free meal. For others, meals are available for purchase. The event is open to the public. And for more information, please search Freedom Fest 2021 on Facebook. KATH 910 AM sponsor Sacred Heart Books and Gifts in Dallas is your one-stop shop for all things Catholic. Religious books for all ages, unique gifts for every Catholic celebration, and much more. Our local Catholic bookstores need our support. Sacred Heart Books and Gifts is located at the northwest corner of Coit and Campbell Road in Far North Dallas. Visit today or call them at 972-250-2100. That's 972-250-2100. Project Joseph, Healing for Men in the Year of St. Joseph, is a Zoom conference for anyone, clergy or laity, male or female, who is interested in men's healing after abortion, and will be presented on Sunday, June 27th at 7 p.m. Learn how men can regain their peace of mind after an abortion experience, even if it's been years. Go to projectjosephdallas.org and click on the anonymous Zoom button. The pain after abortion is real. So is the help. Project Joseph. 
Are you tired of working from home? If so, you're invited to check out Work Suites, a new sponsor of KATH 910 AM owned by Flip Howard from St. Thomas Aquinas Parish in Dallas. Work Suites is designed for professionals who desire their own workspace to get their work done. Work Suites provides amenities such as a receptionist, mail and package handling, meeting rooms, and high-speed internet. To learn more about Work Suites, you can visit worksuites.com or call 888-312-WORK. That's work, S-U-I-T-E-S dot com. Gregory Carigi's article is excellent. We'll put it up again on the archive section. Al also interviewed him, I think, about 10 days ago. How to correct bishops correctly. I wanted to follow up because I had a number of my own questions on this. And to me, uh, my concern is it's happening with a lot of outlets um, that people think are, are doing a good job in addressing concerns when nothing is happening except really attacking the church and making the church look very... Uh, look very unwelcoming. I, I just don't understand how people think this is going to want people to come into the church. That's another point that I don't understand. Okay, how is this attractive to people when you're attacking and eating your own? Your I thoughts? guess the idea. I guess the idea would be people who are like-minded. They'll kind of they'll fix the church and they'll bring in those who are like-minded and those who are not like-minded can leave. I mean, I, I, I legitimately think that's part of what's going on. We'll sort of reform this group in the proper way because they've gone off the rails, and we'll, that'll be our church. But it's and not, I think they're okay with others leaving. Yeah. Uh, it's not being done. What they're hoping for is not being done. If they believe that, then they're literally being duped, because this is not the way it works, quite literally. Right. Right. Um, I can't explain that element of it. I think it's, it's rooted in, the, in quite a bit of anger, and sometimes justified anger. It's, to their credit, sometimes a great deal of justified anger. And I think that's that's what's driving it. And this is the thing they believe in. And being able to capture that, because there is an element of faith there, being able to capture that and reorient it properly, I think is what the law intends to do. But whether it's utilized is a different question. So what can be done? And, and why should something be done? Because to me, what I'm seeing and people with whom I converse on this issue is they're losing faith in the church overall and they're allowing their anger to take over. Yeah, so this is affecting this, souls, Gregory. This is affecting souls in terms of the church. I've had two people is. tell me they're leaving the church, just two in the last week, because of, of, of the bishops and their anger over this. Right. It, it, it is. And there's a reason those penal laws exist is to is because of so the amount of scandal that's caused by attacks on the church to that degree by its own and one thing that could be done like i mentioned in the article is actual canonical action which could include interdict against people which could um remove their ability to participate in the in church life i i wonder what i i, I often wonder what that would do would that cause a splinter, or would that cause really faithful Catholics to say, "Wait a minute, what am I, what am I doing here? What I want to be in communion. I want to be with, with the Lord. I don't want to be in this group." But I think they, they may not see that without a, a block, a punishment, a sanction, something, whatever it might be. But I don't know. You, that that is an interesting question. What the consequence would be of actually utilizing law to this effect. Well, I, th I think something has to be done because it's getting to the point where many people are being are being really badly misled and thinking that this is fine and not only fine, but really good behavior on the part of wh whoever is doing it. Right. 
I think that's right. And it becomes a lot of a lot of these really aggressive news sources, really aggressive personalities, really aggressive people become the standard for Catholic news, which is really uh, quite wild if you think about it, because a lot of it is just simply not true or it's very aggressive or it, it takes a truth and spins it a certain way. And that just becomes the standard of news. And that's really problematic. And I think what's also problematic is, is individuals or entities or outlets, whomever they may be, saying that this particular thing must be done this particular way. And if it's not, then obviously this priest or this pastor or this bishop is completely wrong, and therefore they need to be um, ousted, they need to resign, they need to just give it up and walk away. And it's like, well, wait a minute, how do you know all the details? And you know this because you're at the diocesan level. How do you know what's going on behind the scenes? How do you know what has been attended? Just because somebody is saying that they did this does not mean necessarily, first of all, that that happened. Where's the, where's the attribution? Where's the information to back it up? But secondly, why is it only one way? I had this discussion with a listener of mine the other day who insisted my Archbishop uh, Alan Vigneron address this in a beautiful pastoral note called The Beauty of Truth. And he talked about the fact that you know, doing it this way is not correct and, and what you need Need to do and I thought it was really well done he was talking mainly about media sources and this person said well no that's not action and I said yes it is action he's teaching you want them to teach but then if they don't teach the way you think the way they should teach then they're all wrong right that's generally the starting point of the things I often receive very rarely do people really get the full fact situation thank you and that's not that's not their fault I mean in a certain way that's not their fault but I think what might because they don't have the facts, right? I mean, they're not obligated to have the facts. The faithful don't have to have all the facts of, of church governance. But, but what they should, what might be their fault is give some level of charity and benefit of the doubt, just some, to begin with. Don't presume nefarious goals by, by the bishop. Don't presume it. I'm not saying it's impossible for one to have nefarious goals, but just start from that position express yourself privately if you have concerns but respectfully and and say this is what i'm concerned with and the bishops will hear that and they will try to teach if they're good bishops they will try to teach um and fix the things that you've complained about and that's the other thing we really do believe something happens at consecration not that they'll be perfect men but that there's something that gives them an authority that gives them teaching authority, teaching power, power of governance, these real things that, that come from God that do something and have some faith in that. Not to, you don't have to, you don't have to say they're always going to make the right choice, but some faith, some starting point faith. Well, also, I think the ability to critically think about something and connect the dots that if, if you just see all these blatant accusations without attribution, without facts to back it up, then maybe ask if it happened versus, well, why did they do this, or they're absolutely guilty after what, or after what someone has read on a particular outlet? Right, right, I, yes, and yes. I, I, there's many times where I get very frustrated when I'm reading something. I'm saying it's just, it's inaccurate. Right. Like, I, I personally know that this piece of information is inaccurate, yet it's the basis of the criticism. That has gone way over the line beyond even the, the thing they're criticizing to this is proof that this bishop is XYZ. Right. Things like that. Right. We're talking with Gregory Caridi. His article is How to Correct Bishops Correctly. We'll post it again on our archive section of AveMariaRadio.net. And also, I posted it uh, last week on my Facebook page. Had a really good response. And 
had some really good discussions. You can find it also at churchlifejournal.nd.edu. We'll post it, as I mentioned, on these uh, various outlets. You can follow up on it, and I'd be glad to share it with you personally as well in an email. So where do you think we'll go from here? Because it's getting to the point where uh, some of these these voices are really affecting people, and this seems now, because it's the norm as you start out with your article, saying it's become increasingly common today for the lay faithful and to a lesser extent deacons and priests to openly and publicly criticize bishops, the apostolic see, and even the Pope himself. This criticism usually takes place on the Internet, and some having become especially proficient at the various forms of social media have even developed professions out of targeting the bishops and the Pope for ridicule, mocking, and derision. Through, though there are common trends, this behavior does not necessarily align with any particular political or ecclesiastical view. But as you're saying, it's coming more and more common. So what do you see happening? Are we going to be addressing this anytime soon on the church level, do you think, Gregory? I don't know. I think that is, that is the next question. The reason I wrote the article, I mean, one of the reasons I wrote the article is um, I wanted bishops to know this. Bishops are not all trained in canon law. They're not all canonists, which is okay. And a lot of times they don't know that this exists, that the, that the powers given to them by the code exist to, to do this, to actually bring sanctions in certain behaviors. And they also don't know, I think, that the faithful don't have the sort of generic free speech right to say whatever they want, according to canon law. I don't think the faithful know that, and I don't think the bishops necessarily know that. And the purpose was to give this the template. What they do with that, I think is a really, as I mentioned in the article, is a very difficult question because because do you increase the problem? Do you reduce the problem? I I think that's just a prudential decision, but I do think I, I've not spoken to any bishops about it specifically, but I, I do think there is a sense in which it's exhausting, right? I mean, it, it becomes very difficult to minister and govern the church when it's regular attacks from secular and non-secular media and Catholic media often the worst of it. Mm, absolutely. I was reading a book by a friend of mine called Women of Hope about the doctors of the church, the female doctors of the church. And, you know, as Ecclesiastes says, there's nothing new under the sun, not to minimize the, the, the grave issues that we're seeing still existing and, and new problems cropping up uh, within the church and the challenges we face, especially with COVID and a lot of concerns about the closures of churches on top of everything else. But if you look at Teresa Vavala, if you look at Catherine of Siena, if you look at St. Hildegard, they, they spoke up and they tried to promote change. They didn't always have success. But when they spoke, especially Catherine in her dialogue, uh, Jesus is telling her and warning her that there's a particular way to address this issue. Jesus himself in her dialogue is saying this because they are in persona Christi. We have to be very careful. And, you know, St. Teresa Avila on her deathbed said, I die as a daughter of the church. They love the church, but they were also concerned about what was happening in the church and did fight against things, but did it the proper way. Your thoughts? Right, and if you if you if you read uh, the Vatican II documents like Lumen Gentium and, mm-hmm. and other documents, they they envision the laity participating in that way. So there isn't this like sort of wall between the cleric the clerics and the laity. They they want this discussion from the faithful, and but they want it done properly. And it begins with obedience. It goes into charity, and it it the purpose is truth to really get the bishops to truth so they can govern. And yes, I think. That is exactly right. The, the approach of how this is done is really what's key here. Not that the lady should just be quiet and not complain. It's not what's envisioned by Lumen Gentium. It's not what's envisioned by the law. But, yeah. 
We're talking with uh, Gregory Caridi. He is the chancellor from the Diocese of Dallas and did a great job of outlining some of the issues we're facing today. The article is How to Correct Bishops Correctly. We had an example. I haven't um, done a story on it yet or an interview. I'm working on it right now, but in the Diocese of Lansing where a woman who worked at a hospital noticed a display that was very, very offensive and against church teaching. And she alerted myself and some other folks about it. And, you know, we, we all said to her, look, you're, you see this. You're there. You need to address it with the facility and then also take some pictures and then send it off to the diocese. And within a week, less than a week, she had a response and the situation was corrected. And her letter was, was very good. It was very beautiful. It was very respectful. But she said, look, this is, this is a travesty. This is a problem. We can't have this at a Catholic hospital, let alone elsewhere, what they were saying. So, but the way she addressed it was a perfect example of what we're talking about. Yes, and and I can say from personal experience, if something is done uh, properly, respectfully, with all the facts, not with implications, not with facts you heard from the internet, just like really true facts, it's immediately jumped on. That that is that's what's that's what's going to happen if it's capable of being addressed. Sometimes, a lot of the times, people will just write, and this is more examples of this problem in the church, and this is more examples of this problem in the church, and it's not, and. So they are, they're already starting with their conclusion of what this thing is. And so they'll expect a certain response. If it doesn't happen that way, that means the bishop or, or the, the diocese is part of the problem. Mm. And I have about two minutes left, and this is one more question I want to ask you. And Al and I talked about this recently on a discussion that he and I had on his program. One of the deceptive practices of some of these outlets or some of these people that are engaged in this is to give people the impression that those who are involved in, in canon law cases that are currently going on, uh, let's say there's a canon lawyer dealing with an abuse of a priest in a particular diocese, that that canon lawyer assigned to investigate uh, is is ignoring requests to talk to the media. They can't comment publicly on these things, and people don't understand that. It's not like they're ignoring the media, but they have to follow the process. Right, and they have to they have to follow what the law envisions, which is some level of presumption of innocence, which has a right to privacy, especially for the innocent. And it's it's not in a, in a desire to not engage or not cover up, but it's more desired to follow to respectfully follow the rights of all people. And, yeah. But then they say, well, so-and-so did not comment or refused to answer our questions or did not return our call. Well, they can't because, it's, as you right. said, it's also protection not only of overall case, but even in the case of, of the victims that may be involved. Oh, my goodness, I Absolutely. have like 50 more questions, so we'll have to have you back on because there's so many other questions that I have. But great article, and I'm keeping it as a resource for myself because it's got great quotes from not only the saints but the catechism and also canon law and very easy to understand. You don't need a canon law degree to read this, and that's why I really appreciate it. I hope it gets picked up elsewhere. Greg, God love you. Keep up the great work. Gregory Caridi is the uh, Chancellor of the Diocese of Dallas. His article, How to Correct Bishops Correctly, from Church Life Journal. We'll be right back on a Friday. Stay tuned. When the need for senior care arises, home is where the heart is. Visiting Angels provides home care for mom or dad up to 24 hours per day, including personal care, meals, and light housework. You may select your professional caregiver with Visiting Angels. More information at visitingangels.com or at 877-374-LIVE. That's 877-374-LIVE. Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. 
Catholic law is not cynical about human government, but it does understand its limitations. Let me just quote from the Catechism. Human society can be neither well-ordered nor prosperous unless it has some people invested with legitimate authority to preserve its institutions and to devote themselves as far as is necessary to work and care for the good of all. Every human community needs an authority to govern it. Now, we know that, of course. The family has a certain authority, business has an authority, and government has certain authorities. We are blessed in that in our moment in history, governments are composed in uh, by the consent of the governed. It means we have to look beyond uh, the political rhetoric that's used by politicians and lobbyists to sell a bill or a referendum item. And so I would just stress time and again, don't be cynical, but be prudent. Don't be suspicious, but be inquiring. Cresta in the Afternoon with Al Cresta for Eastern on EWTN Radio. Do you own popular index mutual funds or ETFs? If so, you're automatically owned shares of companies that conflict with your moral beliefs. Ave Maria mutual funds are managed to conform to pro-life and pro-family values. Long-term investors can invest in the no-load Ave Maria mutual funds. The experienced professional portfolio managers make decisions based on investment fundamentals and pro-life values. You can learn more about Ave Maria mutual funds today at 866-AVE-MARIA or visit AveMariaFunds.com. Coming up on Monday, we're going to continue our discussion on the Eucharistic Discourse of the USCCB and some of the response to it. Also, the response of the bishops correcting the media uh, in this place, talking about how the media wrongly reported what the bishops did last week. And I think it's good that they're doing this, and I hope the bishops come out and correct other forms of media, as we just discussed with Gregory Caridi in his terrific article, How to Correct Bishops Correctly. Also on Monday, Gail Buckley, our Scripture Verse of the Week. Go out there and have a beautiful weekend. Be safe, and good Lord willing, we'll talk to you on a Monday. Once again, all of our information, we can find it for you, EWTN.com, AveMariaRadio.net, and the archive section of Catholic Connection. Have a great weekend. Ciao, ciao. been listening to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio. Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Our producer is Andrew Kruchek. For copies of this program or for more information, visit AveMariaRadio.net. That's A-V-E Maria Radio.net. Thanks for listening and join us next time for another edition of Catholic Connection. Shining the light of truth on the path of salvation. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. All are invited to join in helping to make reparation for sins against the Sacred Heart of Jesus and the Immaculate Heart of Mary through Eucharistic Adoration every first Friday at Modern Day Latin Mass Parish in Irving. The event takes place from Friday, July 2nd from 7 p.m. to Saturday, July 3rd until 8 a.m. The all-night adoration vigil includes a Sacred Heart devotion, Holy Mass, exposition, and all-night adoration, confession, and benediction. Please email Mike Drake for any questions at mike.drake.home at gmail.com.
This is Tony Beshera. My wife Chris and I own Babich and Associates. We are the oldest placement and recruitment firm in the state of Texas and proud sponsors of the Guadalupe Radio Network, where you're also members of St. Thomas Aquinas in Dallas. Babich and Associates offers candidates insights into the current job market and provides professional candidates we have interviewed on a face-to-face basis to our employers. Our number to call is 214-823-9999, or you can find us on the web at Babich, B-A-B-I-C-H, Blessed be God, blessed be His holy name, blessed be Jesus Christ, true God and true man, blessed be the name of Jesus, blessed be His most sacred heart, blessed be His most precious blood. Blessed be Jesus in the most holy sacrament of the altar. Blessed be the Holy Spirit of Paraclete. Blessed be the Great Mother of God, Mary Most Holy. Blessed be her holy and immaculate conception. Blessed be her glorious assumption. Blessed be the name of Mary, Virgin and Mother. Blessed be Saint Joseph, her most chaste spouse. Blessed be God in his angels and in his saints. Thanks for listening to KATH 910 AM Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth on the Guadalupe Radio Network in North Texas. Catholic Radio for your soul. Heard also at grnonline.com and on your smartphone.